Chapter Seven, Part Four of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue, Chapter Seven, Part Four. Although now being reassured of Rodolph's not being at Bouqueval, the terrors of the schoolmaster were by no means dissipated and spite of his frightfully disfigured countenance he was in momentary dread of being recognized by his wife who might at any moment enter the kitchen when he was perfectly persuaded she would instantly denounce and give him into custody his firm impression having been from the hour of receiving his horrible punishment from the hands of rodolph that it was done to satisfy the hatred and vengeance of madame georges but unable to quit the farm the ruffian found himself wholly at the mercy of tortillard resigning himself therefore to what was unavoidable yet anxious to escape from the eyes of his wife he said to the venerable labourer since you kindly assure me my being here will in no way displease either your master or mistress i will gladly accept your hospitality but as i am much fatigued and must set out again at break of day i would humbly ask permission to go at once to my bed oh yes to-morrow morning by all means and as soon as you like we are very early people here and for fear even that you should again wander from the right road some one will conduct you part of the way if you have no objection said jean rené addressing father chatelet i will see the poor man a good step on the road because madame georges said yesterday i was to take the chaise and go to the lawyers at villiers le bel to fetch a large sum of money she requires of him go with the poor blind traveller by all means replied father chatelet but you must walk mind madame has changed her mind about sending to villiers le bel and wisely reflecting that it was not worth while to have so large a sum of money lying useless at the farm has determined to let it remain with the lawyer till monday next which will be the day she requires it of course father chatelain mistress knows best but least to tell me why she should consider it unsafe to have money at the farm what is she afraid of of nothing my lad thank god there is no occasion for fear but for all that i would much rather have five hundred sacks of corn on the premises than ten bags of crowns come said old chatelain addressing himself to the brigand and tortillard come follow me friend and you too my lad then taking up a small lamp he conducted his two guests to a chamber on the ground floor first traversing a large passage into which several doors opened placing the light on a table the old labourer said to the schoolmaster here is your lodging and may god grant you a good and peaceful night's repose my good friend and as for you my little man you are sure to sleep sound and well it belongs to your happy age to do so the schoolmaster pensive and meditative sat down by the side of the bed to which tortillard conducted him at the instant when father chatelain was quitting the room tortillard made him a sign indicative of his desire to speak with him alone and hastily rejoined him in the passage what is it my boy you have to say to me inquired the old man kindly ah my kind sir i only wanted to say that my father is frequently seized during the night with most violent convulsion fits which require a much stronger person than i am to hold him should i be obliged to call for help is there any person near who could hear me poor child said the labourer sympathizingly make yourself easy there do you see that door beside the staircase oh yes good kind gentleman i see it 
well one of the farm labourers sleeps in that room you will only just have to run to him he never locks his door and he will come to your father in an instant thank you sir god bless you i will remember all your kindness when i say my prayers but suppose sir the man and myself were not strong enough together to manage my poor father when these violent convulsions come on could you who look so good and speak so kind could you be kind enough to come and tell us what to do me my boy oh i sleep as well as all the other men servants out of the house in a large outbuilding in the courtyard but make yourself quite comfortable jean rené could manage a mad bull he is so powerful besides if you really wished any further help he would go and call up our old cook she sleeps on the first floor even with our mistress and young mademoiselle and i can promise you that our old woman is a most excellent sick nurse should your father require any one to attend him when the fit is over thank you kind gentlemen a thousand times good night sir i will go now and pray of god to bless you for your kindness and pity to the poor blind good night my lad let us hope both you and your father will enjoy a sound night's rest and have no occasion to require any person's help you had better return to your room now your poor father may be wanting you i will sir good night and thank you god preserve you both my child and the old man returned to the kitchen scarcely had he turned his back than the limping rascal made one of those supremely insulting and derisive gestures familiar to all the blackguards of paris consisting in slapping the nape of the neck repeatedly with the left hand darting the right hand quite open continually out in a straight line with the most consummate audacity this dangerous child had just gleaned under the mask of guileless tenderness and apprehension for his father information most important for the furtherance of the schemes of the chouette and the schoolmaster he had ascertained during the last few minutes that the part of the building where he slept was only occupied by madame georges fleur de marie an old female servant and one of the farm labourers upon his return to the room he was to share with the blind man tortillard carefully avoided approaching him the former however heard his step and growled out where have you been you vagabond what you want to know do you old blinden oh i'll make you pay for all you have made me suffer this evening you wretched urchin exclaimed the schoolmaster rising furiously and groping about in every direction after tortillard feeling by the walls as a guide i'll strangle you when i catch you you young fiend you infernal viper poor dear father how prettily he plays at blind man's bluff with his own little boy said tortillard grinning and enjoying the ease with which he escaped from the impotent attempts of the schoolmaster to seize him who though impelled to the exertion by his overboiling rage was soon compelled to cease and as had been the case before to give up all hopes of inflicting the revenge he yearned to bestow on the impish son of bras rouge thus compelled to submit to the impudent persecution of his juvenile tormentor and await the propitious hour when all his injuries could safely be avenged the brigand determined to reserve his powerless wrath for a fitting opportunity of paying off old scores and worn out in body by his futile violence threw himself swearing and cursing on the bed dear father sweet father have you got the toothache that you swear so ah if monsieur le curé heard you what would he say to you he would give you such penance oh my 
that's right go on replied the ruffian in a hollow and suppressed voice after long enduring this entertaining vivacity on the part of the young gentleman laugh at me mock me make sport of my calamity cowardly scoundrel that you are that is a fine noble action is it not just worthy of such a mean ignoble contemptible soul as dwells within that wretched crooked body oh how fine we talk how nice we preach about being generous and all that don't we cried tortillard bursting into peals of laughter i beg your pardon dear father but i can't possibly help thinking it's so funny to hear you whose fingers were regular fish-hooks picking and stealing whatever came in their way and as for generosity i beg you don't mention it because till you got your eyes poked out i don't suppose you ever thought of such a word but at least i never did you any harm why then torment me thus because in the first place you said what i did not like to the chouette then you had a fancy for stopping and playing the fool among the clodhoppers here perhaps you mean to commence a course of ass's milk you impudent young beggar if i had only had the opportunity of remaining at this farm which i now wish sunk in the bottomless pit or blasted with eternal lightning you should not have played your tricks of devilish cruelty with me any longer you to remain here that would be a farce who then would madame la chouette have for her bête de souffrance me perhaps thank you don't you wish you may get it miserable abortion abortion ah yes another reason why i say as well as aunt chouette there is nothing so funny as to see you in one of your unaccountable passions you who could kill me with one blow of your fist it's more funny than if you were a poor weak creature how very funny you were at supper to-night dieu de dieu what a lark i had all to myself why it was better than a play at the gaiety at every kick i gave you on the sly your passion made all the blood fly in your face and your white eyes became red all round they only wanted a bit of blue in the middle to have been real tricolored they would have made two fine cockades for the town sergeant wouldn't they come come you like to laugh you are merry bah it's natural at your age it's natural i'm not angry with you said the schoolmaster in an air of affected carelessness hoping to propitiate tortillard but instead of standing there saying saucy things it would be much better for you to remember what the chouette told you you say you are very fond of her you should examine all over the place and get the print of the locks didn't you hear them say they expected to have a large sum of money here on monday we will be amongst them then and have our share i should have been foolish to have stayed here i should have had enough of these asses of country people at the end of the week shouldn't i boy asked the ruffian to flatter tortillard if you had stayed here i should have been very much annoyed pon my word and honour replied bras rouge's son in a mocking tone yes yes there's a good business to be done in this house in that there should be nothing to steal yet i will return here with the chouette if only to have my revenge said the miscreant in a tone full of fury and malice for now i am sure it is my wife who excited that infernal rodolph against me he who in blinding me has put me at the mercy of all the world of the chouette and a young blackguard like yourself well if i cannot avenge myself on him i will have vengeance against my wife yes she shall pay me for all even if i set fire to this accursed house and bury myself in its smouldering ruins 
yes i will i will have you will you want to get hold of your wife eh old gentleman she is within ten paces of you that's vexing ain't it if i liked i could lead you to the door of her room that's what i could for i know the room i know it i know it i know it added tortillard singing according to his custom you know her room said the schoolmaster in an agony of fervent joy you know it i see you coming said tortillard come play the pretty and get on your hind legs like a dog when they throw him a dainty bone now old cupid you know my wife's chamber said the miscreant turning to the side whence the sound of tortillard's voice proceeded yes i know it and what's still better only one of the farm servants sleeps on the side of the house where we are i know his door the key is in it click one turn and he's all safe and fast come get up old blind cupid who told you all this asked the blind scoundrel rising involuntarily capital cupid by the side of your wife's room sleeps an old cook one more turn of the key and click we are masters of the house masters of your wife and the young girl with the grey mantle that you must catch hold of and carry off now then your pa old cupid do the pretty to your master directly you lie you lie how could you know all this why i'm lame in my leg but not in my head before we left the kitchen i said to the old guzzling labourer that sometimes in the night you had convulsions and i asked him where i could get assistance if you were attacked he said if you were attacked i might call up the manservant and the cook and he showed me where they slept one down the other upstairs on the first floor close to your wife your wife your wife and tortillard repeated his monotonous song after a lengthened silence the schoolmaster said to him in a calm voice but with an air of desperate determination listen boy i have stayed long enough lately yes yes i confess it i had a hope which now makes my lot appear still more frightful the prison the bang the guillotine are nothing nothing to what i have endured since this morning and i shall have the same to endure always lead me to my wife's room i have my knife here i will kill her i shall be killed afterwards but what of that my hatred swells till it chokes me i shall have revenge and that will console me what i now suffer is too much too much for me too before whom everybody trembled now lad if you knew what i endure even you would pity me even now my brain appears ready to burst my pulse beats as if my veins would burst my head whirls a cold in your knowledge-box old chap that's it sneeze that'll cure you said tortillard with a loud grin what say you to a pinch of snuff old brick and striking loudly on the back of his left hand which was clenched as if he were tapping on the lid of a snuff-box he sang j'ai du bon tabac dans ma tabatière j'ai du bon tabac tu n'en auras pas oh mon dieu mon dieu they will drive me mad cried the brigand becoming really almost demented by a sort of nervous excitement arising from bloodthirsty revenge and implacable hatred which in vain sought to satiate itself the exuberant strength of this monster could only be equalled by the impossibility of satisfying his deadly desires let us imagine a hungry furious maddened wolf teased during a whole day by a child through the bars of his den 
and scenting within two paces of him a victim who would at once satisfy his hunger and his rage at the last taunt of tortillard the brigand almost lost his senses unable to reach his victim he desired in his frenzy to shed his own blood for his blood was stifling him one moment he resolved to kill himself and had he had a loaded pistol in his hand he would not have hesitated he fumbled in his pocket and drew out a clasp-knife opened it and raised it to strike but quick as were his movements reflection fear and vital instinct were still more rapid the murderer lacked courage his arm fell on his knees tortillard had watched all his actions with an attentive eye and when he saw the finale of this pseudo-tragedy he continued mockingly how boys a duel ah pluck the chickens the schoolmaster fearing that he should lose his senses if he gave way to an ineffectual burst of fury turned a deaf ear to this fresh insult of tortillard who so impertinently commented on the cowardice of an assassin who recoiled from suicide despairing of escape from what he termed by a sort of avenging fatality the cruelty of his cursed child the ruffian sought to try what could be done by assailing the avarice of the son of bras rouge ah said he to him in a tone almost supplicatory lead me to the door of my wife's room and take anything you like that's in her room and run away with it leave me to myself you may cry out murder if you like they will apprehend me kill me on the spot i care not i shall die avenged if i have not the courage to end my existence myself oh lead me there lead me there depend on it she has gold jewels anything and you may take all all for yourself for your own do you mind your own only lead me to the door where she is yes i mind well enough you want me to lead you to her door then to her bed and then to tell you when to strike then to guide your hand hey that's it ain't it you want to make me a handle to your knife old monster replied tortillard with an expression of contempt anger and horror which for the first time in his life gave an appearance of seriousness to his weasel face usually all impertinence and insolence i'll be killed first i tell you sooner than i'll lead you to where your wife is you refuse the son of bras rouge made no reply he approached with bare feet and without being heard by the schoolmaster who seated on the bed still held his large knife in his hand and then in a moment with marvellous quickness and dexterity tortillard snatched from him his weapon and with one jump skipped to the further end of the chamber my knife my knife cried the brigand extending his arms no for then you might to-morrow morning ask to speak with your wife and try to kill her since as you say you have had enough of life and are such a coward that you don't dare kill yourself how he defends my wife against me said the bandit whose intellect became obscure this little wretch is a devil where am i why does he try to save her because i like it said tortillard whose face resumed its usual appearance of sly impudence ah is that it murmured the schoolmaster whose mind was wandering well then i'll fire the house we'll all burn all i prefer that furnace to the other the candle the candle ah ha ha exclaimed tortillard bursting out again into loud laughter if your own candle your peepers had not been snuffed out and for ever you would have known that ours had been extinguished an hour ago and tortillard sang 
ma chandelle est morte je n'y plus de feu the schoolmaster gave a deep groan stretched out his arms and fell heavily on the floor his face on the ground and struck by a rush of blood remained motionless not to be caught old boy said tortillard that's only a trick to make me come to you that you may serve me out when you have been long enough on the floor you'll get up bois rouge's boy resolved not to go to sleep for fear of being surprised by the schoolmaster so seated himself in a chair with his eyes fixed on the ruffian persuaded that it was a trap laid for him and not believing the schoolmaster in any danger that he might employ himself agreeably tortillard drew silently and carefully from his pocket a little red silk purse and counted slowly and with looks of joy and avarice the seventeen pieces of gold which it contained tortillard had acquired his ill-gotten riches thus it may be remembered that madame d'harville was nearly surprised by her husband at the rendezvous which she had granted to the commandant rodolphe when he had given the purse to the young lady had told her to go up to the fifth story to the morels under the pretence of bringing them assistance madame d'harville ran quickly up the staircase holding the purse in her hands when tortillard who was coming from the quacks caught a glimpse of the purse and pretending to stumble as he passed the marquise pushed against her and in the shock slyly stole the purse madame d'harville bewildered and hearing her husband's footsteps hurried on to the fifth story without thinking or complaining of the impudent robbery of the little cripple after having counted and recounted his gold tortillard cast his eyes towards the schoolmaster who was extended still on the ground disquieted for a moment he listened and hearing the robber breathe freely he thought that he was still meditating some trick against him chance saved the schoolmaster from a congestion of the brain which else must have proved mortal his fall had caused a salutary and abundant bleeding at the nose he then fell into kind of a feverish torpor half asleep half delirium and then had this wild this fearful dream End of chapter seven part four read by celine major